Welcome to Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, today, we are really honored to have Pastor Joshua West. Uh, he has gone through Teen Challenge. He's been a Teen Challenge director, a pastor, and now he's uh, here at World Challenge uh, as the leader of our Pastors Network. And uh, we are so honored to have uh, Pastor Joshua West with us. Uh, welcome to Leader to Leader. So glad to be on on the podcast with you, actually. Um it's real encouraging just to, to be sitting here in this podcast because realistically, um, you know, you you are kind of a, amongst all of us, you know, have a reputation of being a pastor to pastors and a leader among leaders. So I'm excited to, to dialogue with you. Well, thank you very much. And we're really, uh, I think this is something that has been birthed. Uh, Joshua actually leads the network here. Uh, I'm just so blessed to be able to do the podcast, but we work together really closely and um, and God has been really good to us. So, uh, so let's get started. Um, so you came to Christ, uh, went through a, a life of addiction, and then land, land, first of all, landed in a teen challenge and then became a pastor. That's a Big jump from <laughs> dealing with addiction to then leading people into a relationship with Christ. Yeah, you know, for me, I I, I came to faith, came to believe in Christ in, in jail, and um, you know was excited about living for God, and you know lived for God while I was in jail, and just, just so excited, ready to go win the world for Christ. And when I came out, um, just fell back into my own ways, uh, my old ways, very quickly. But but the difference was that time as I had. I had the incorruptible seed in me. I had the spirit of God in me. And so for me, Teen Challenge is, is where I went eventually to to learn how to walk the faith out, you know, because I, I tried and I failed and I tried and I failed. And so really it was it was a mechanism of discipleship for me to break free um, from some of my bad habits as the spirit of God grew in me and I grew in knowledge of his word and, and so on and so forth. But you're right, it is a... Um, a big transition, and I think it's important to acknowledge that um, you know nobody goes from being a drug addict to being a pastor. You go from being a drug addict and a lost person to being a disciple, yeah, and then to being uh, a minister, a leader. You can't you can't lead others in something that you you're not walking in yourself. Yeah, do you mind sharing some of the issues that you dealt with? Um, obviously, there's drug use. What sorts of drugs? Yes, yeah, so, I mean you know is as <laughs> wild as it is to say, I mean, I was an intravenous drug user, um, has been addicted to heroin, uh, mm -hmm. cocaine, methamphetamine, alcoholic. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, could you tell us the things you didn't do? <laughs> right. Um, you know, nowadays they have all sorts of new stuff, but I, I would always say, man, there's nothing I didn't do. And I think it was really just because I was so empty and I, I was willing to do anything to try to fill that hole. Um, you know, what's funny is, is it's not necessarily the substances that are the problem. Those are, those are typically the addict's solution to other problems. You know, we just deal with it in a much more self-destructive way than other people who, you know, are shopaholics or they overeat or they are gambleaholics. Um, you know, drug addiction is so, um, so much more serious because it could take your life so quickly. 
and it causes so much damage to the people around you. And so I think getting off of drugs is like a step one, mm -hmm. but really the hard part is is the regeneration and the the they're changing the pattern of your life and mind because the longer you've been in addiction the more bad habits and bad ways of thinking you incorporate in your life for instance like um you know you begin to view the authorities as the bad guys you begin to <laughs> sometimes view your family as the bad guys um, right is wrong wrong is right and you live in this sort of backwards world and so you know what happens at team challenge and other ministries like it is you become you you're put face to face with these realities because those patterns or I would, I would say like ruts that you wore into the ground that just get deeper and deeper every year in addiction that's what's hard to come out of you know the momentum going yeah. um, in that direction and so um, the longer you're in addiction the more worldly consequences you accumulate for yourself. And it really starts with, obviously, you know, if you become a Christian, it starts with a changed heart. But then after that comes the renewal of your mind. And that's what well, that's what takes time. And it's not really just for the, the drug addict, it's for all Christians. But like I said, I think in our case, um, the consequences are so immediate and severe that it seems like it's different than than your average person who who comes out of a different kind of life of sin. Yeah, yeah. Sin is sin, and it all <laughs> it all breaks, it all destroys. And so, you know, our conversation today, we I want to focus on somebody that has come through an addiction. Now they're leading people, the process for that, and then for for pastors and leaders that are watching today. Maybe you maybe you have people that serve with you that have come out of an addictive past, and how do you lead them? So uh, you're an extraordinary miracle. Uh, I mean, it's really powerful. You're going from you know uh, you know sticking needles in your veins uh, to a place of finding freedom and discipleship, and you know just for our viewers, uh, not to blow your head up, but uh, you have a master's degree. He's working on a doctorate degree. Uh, he is an incredible Bible teacher. Teacher, writes books and a great leader. Uh, that is quite a path to come from a guy that's sticking needles in your veins to now a prominent leader in the church. There, there's a there's a real path, and as you so eloquently uh, said, it's not just the drugs. The drugs are the symptoms. What what are some of the things maybe that you dealt with? Uh, or that the Lord has had to deal with inside of you to really take you from that place of being self-absorbed, a rebel to authority, to now walk in a place that you're leading people and you're making a great impact in the world. There's a lot of inward stuff that the Lord's had to deal with in your life. Could you maybe hone in on one or two of those things that maybe, not just that maybe you would deal with, but maybe most people who deal with addictions that can be a barrier between that self-absorbed life to now a life that's giving and serving others? Yeah, I think uh, I think it comes down to the biggest one is John chapter 8 when it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, obviously, the truth in that context is talking about the person of Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. But I feel like that every area that we're in bondage in our lives, drug addicts or non-drug addicts, is a place where the truth has not worked its way into that situation. Um, you know, for every drug addict who falls in and out of addiction, um, relapse always starts with a lie. You tell yourself a lie like, 
It's not going to be like last time. It's not going to take total control of my life. No one's going to find out. I'm not going to go broke. I'm not going to go back to jail. And 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 it's so the we, lies that we tell ourselves. It's the it? lies yeah. that we tell ourselves. And I think so often, the reason most people, in my opinion, um, don't come to you know, we, people see people who have truly overcome life controlling addiction, and they're like, "Wow, what a great testimony." But I think what what separates them from people who don't. Uh, is the truth, and, and it's this sort of radical um, acceptance that in every situation of our life, the truth is the only solution. And that sounds great to say, but when you've lived a life of a lie for so long, um, that takes time, and and it and it's painful because it's yeah. not just about the lies of addiction and the lies of these big lies. Uh, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So it starts with these little compromises where we don't want to live in the truth. And I think, I, you know, when I used to uh, teach at Teen Challenge, I would always tell the guys that God only wants one thing from you, and that's everything. And and he's not going to build, you know, a mansion of a life around a shack that you want to hang on to. You know, you mm-hmm. want to, okay, God, you, you can have everything, but you can't have this. And I think that's why most people don't become free is because there is a place in their life that the truth, that they're not willing to to let it completely be bared out. I think another thing is pride. Uh, pride is what keeps almost everybody in some sort of bondage. Because when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you know, and it's talking about the gospel that transforms lives, it really, it, it makes this sort of a comparison. It's like, not many of you are noble. Mm-hmm. Um, God uses the weak things and the foolish things and the, you know, the the, the non-important things. And, I, and, and that's not just saying that God only uses people like me. What it's saying is, is the only person God can actually change with the truth is people who realize that they're weak <laughs> and that they are foolish and apart yeah. from God, they're hopeless and helpless. Yeah, this is really helpful because, you know, you know I um, planted a church, and from the time that we planted the church, I had two prayers. Uh, one was, God, send people that know your word and love truth and that will be leaders. My other prayer was, God, bring the broken, <laughs> bring the gang members, bring the drug addicts. And I and I honestly think that any pastor this or leader that's worth their salt is going to have a heart to follow that. You know, Jesus said that the the Spirit is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the broken and the hurt hurting and addicted. So, but once they come into our doors, <laughs> you gotta do something with them, right? And there's gotta be a, a, an understanding or knowledge that now that this person has walked through the doors. And now that we're seeing them come to the Lord, like how how do you put them on on the path? So it, say say there's a pastor out here, leader that's watching today, and they're going, man, I really want to reach the most broken people. What? Just give me one really good piece of advice that you could say to that pastor leader if you're going to have a church that flourishes with the broken, like Jesus loves the broken. Like what 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 do you need to do as a church? I would say two things, and, you know, there's many, many things you could say. Obviously, if there's not real discipleship happening at your church, um, it's not going to be good for the person coming out of any broken place in life. They they, they need love and acceptance. So listen, your sins are washed white as snow. They need to be told the truth of the gospel. But they also need, most importantly, like it says in Romans 12 too, they need to renew their minds so that they do not fall 
into the pattern of this world. And that's that's yeah. what desperately needs to happen. So practically, I think what it really comes down to is having a way for these people not to be pastors or, you know, over important things, but to be involved, to be, to have responsibility, to have uh, some sort of connection beyond just showing up and then some sort of mechanism of accountability. Now, when I say accountability, I don't mean you have to install some sort of program in your church like you're, you're a teen challenge in the church. No, it's the church. And and sometimes when a person keeps falling and keeps falling and, and it seems like, well, then maybe you, you refer them out. Hey, listen, we love you and believe God's doing a work in your life, but you may need to go get some more help where it's more, the accountability, accountability is greater, but there has to be some sort of accountability and discipleship. And I think yep. those two things for people that truly know and love God, you know, and that's the hard part because yep. when they come, you're, you're, you really aren't going to know the difference. There's going to be some people that say, I've given my life to God who really haven't. And there's going to be people that truly want to know and follow God. You're not going to be able to immediately discern who's who. But you have that mechanism of discipleship yeah. there. And then the people who truly know and want to know God more, they're going to they're going to assimilate into that just like everybody else does in the church. And the others are going to are going to fall back, but I think that's that's what's important is is for them to to be become be able to become part of the church on on some level. That is incredible, and just to highlight, you know, just this, you know, a couple things that you just said is one. The first thing is being able to know if if somebody is outside of your ability to disciple them. Right. If somebody's you know shooting heroin in their veins. You, you probably need to find a program or a way to get them the help that they need. And just being able to know what's outside of your ability to to walk people through those places. But it, once they do come or you're the next step after they've come through those programs, the accountability. Uh, I, and I think this is really important. It's something that you just said, and I just want to highlight it. You want to be careful not to take people who are not ready and put them on a pulpit, on a stage, no doing ministry. You want to like, hey, a, a place for them to serve, uh, be a greeter, uh, you know, uh, help with the cleaning team. There's a place that you can serve. But may, having a separation to where you're going, hey, don't lay hand, hand suddenly on any man and keep that time of going, hey, until you've worked through these issues, uh, we we don't want to put you in a place because it really it it really can put them in a place that the enemy can attack them and and so no re really great advice so now you're uh, say say you're pa pastors watching today and you go hey now this person is really growing and they're at the place where they've gone through the accountability uh, they they've shown themselves faithful you see a calling on their life and now you're going now I want to start making this person a leader they're at that place. Uh, whether it's a Sunday school teacher, maybe a youth pastor, um, you know, but they're they're ready for that next step. What things would you say to a pastor like, hey, as they're making this transition, you want to be able to trust them and implement them, but there needs to also be some gauges. What 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 would you give advice to somebody that's watching and go, here's the things that you may want to keep a rein on and and look for as you're establishing them in places of leadership. Well, I would say two things. And, and one thing, going back to what we were just talking about, another thing, every time I go to preach somewhere because of my testimony, if pastors aren't already in this lane, um, pastors ask me, hey, how can we 
how can we reach out to these people? How can we help these people in a meaningful way? I think one thing um, that you don't even necessarily have to facilitate is having some sort of Christian recovery group that meets at your church. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't facilitate it, like Celebrate Recovery or Teen Challenge has one called Living Free. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about addiction. It's about life-controlling problems. It could be about pornography. It could be about drug addiction. It could be about anything that that's having life-controlling problems. That's a great, like, middle place People will come into that and they will thrive and grow. Or sometimes you'll see that that's not enough for them and you'll maybe have to refer them off to something a little more intense. But having that as a mechanism, that's an opportunity for people to serve. There's five or six things leaders could do within that. And it really could be sort of like a, a pruning ground to say, you know, well, maybe you are called to preach. Maybe we'll let you preach in youth. Or, um, But I think one of the most important things um, and this isn't a legalistic statement. This isn't, you know, a, a holy perfection statement. Um, when people are in life-controlling addiction, there there are times where people are in this state of of overcoming. You yeah. know, where they where they're they're trying to become sober. They're trying to become honest. That is not the time to put them in a leadership. But after they've had, you know, and there's no science. You know, there's no like exact amount. But yeah. after someone's been sober for a year or two years, and they've been a faithful member of the church, that to me is the first thing. Okay, the meaningful sobriety, not like, hey, I've been sober. I've only messed up five or six times this year. Um, <laughs> that's not, because listen, it's not fair to them, and it's not also not right for the people that you put them in charge of. Um, and so for me, holding them to radical truth and holding them to radical sobriety, if a person can't stay sober, he's just not ready to lead people. Yeah. And that's, it's just that simple. Um, and some people would disagree with me about this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not here to say what's a sin and what's not a sin. Some people, you know, is drinking a sin? I don't believe so if people do it in moderation, depending on your denomination. But for people like me, Without a doubt, not an option. It's huh? not an option. Yeah. It's 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 a hundred percent abstinence. Yeah. And and if it's controlled your life, if you've been in a legal problem, you've been kicked out of your house. You, so I feel like I think if someone wants to be in leadership, that that you need to make it clear to them that you're going to hold that they ha they're going to be accountable to you in that way. And I think any person that's in any kind of leadership that we that we entrust a young youth pastor a young sort of mentee that we're kind of raising up in ministry we we inflict accountability on them too there's just an added piece that needs to be for people that have life controlling addiction because here's the sad part and the good part you're going to have one of two things with with a recovered drug addict you're going to have the best hardest working most faithful most dedicated servant you've ever seen or you're going to have a guy that that falls and is going to mess a lot of stuff up in the process. And so— And can hurt people. And can hurt oh, yeah. people and yeah. will hurt people because— yeah. Um, because the self, you know, if if you compromise and falling back into addiction, you've probably made ten compromises on the road there. It didn't just no person who's been sober for any meaningful amount of time just wakes up one day and says, "Hey, I'm going to throw it all away today." Um, no, what <laughs> happens is is they've made a compromise and a compromise and a compromise, and at some point that big compromise just doesn't seem that big anymore. Yeah, and that listen. <laughs> by the way, that applies to people with drug addictions, but that applies to 
uh, everybody. Those slow compromises can lead to bigger things. And I just just as a throw out here, so the church that I pastored, uh, and this does not work for everybody, and I'm not saying that it, this should be what every pastor does. I know at our church, we had a stand that we just said for pa- people that were pastors and elders, alcohol was not an option. Yes. Because I felt like if as pastors and leaders, if we can't make that decision, how in the world are people that are struggling going to be able to make that decision? So Definitely. that was just a part of our leadership. We a just being said, above hey, reproach. being above, above reproach um, doesn't mean that I would say that it's a sin to drink a beer or a glass of wine uh, with a meal or, you know, occasionally or whatever. But uh, but I know for me and for the leadership team that we had there, that was that was the the, the rule that we live by. And so it, it, this is re- this is a really good conversation that you're bringing up. And our you you know our founder David Wilkerson he started Teen Challenge, and there are other great programs. But Teen Challenge is probably one of the foremost uh, places to uh, to work with addictions. And so, um, and one of the things that he was, re- it actually became, he had a lot of critics because he started ordaining uh, <laughs> these guys that were coming through right. Teen Challenge. And, or, and some of those guys that he ordained that people were criticized, how can you take a drug addict that's had all these problems in the past and now they're pastors and leaders. <laughs> but some of those guys were some of the, you know, pastors of great churches and leaders yep. and denominations. And so I, I do want to say if there is somebody that's watching and they've, they have a past, listen, God can still use you, but it's important how you walk through that process and that you keep the guardrails close. Yes. Um, because you know, ministry is not a right. Uh, exactly ministry right. is something that's a it's real a privilege. privilege and how you treat that is really important. And so, so now let, let me just, just take, we've, we've gone through, now we have somebody that's a leader in the church and now we're ready to ordain, put them in a position of leadership. Is there advice maybe that you would have for a pastor leader that maybe has dealt with addictions? Maybe they've gone, Hey, the last five years I've been free, but listen, just being free for five years, we know this. It doesn't mean that, that that lasts a lifetime. So what are the guardrails that you would say moving forward that is either for someone that's dealing with addiction or if you have a staff member that has come out of that past, uh, don't just assume that they're clean. Right. What are some things that you can do that uh, are not judgmental, but they would be good parameters to instill in the lives of people that have walked through addiction? Well, I think uh, a person who wants to live in the truth is not um, – he, he's not easily upset by accountability. In fact, for the person who wants to live in the truth, that person um, loves it, begins to love correction, love the guardrails. You know, for me, the idea of – you used to use the example of like someone who doesn't – who loves their life. You know, we don't show people we're a good driver by getting as close to the edge as we can. (laughs) We show people we're a a good driver by staying far, far away from it. And so I feel like, you know, there, there are a lot of practical things. I wouldn't put hard and fast rules down because there is a point of, of when, you know, when in any situation, when people have earned your trust, you, you want to extend more trust. And as they continue to grow in that, you, you know, you don't necessarily want to treat them, um, you know, like children. But I would just say this, 
if you have suspicions about something, you need to act on them. Um, And the person who is truly grateful for sobriety and grateful for the new life they have in Christ, they won't be offended by it. Um, They'll, yeah, sure. Because a a person who's honest has nothing to hide. Sure. I'd love to. I remember not to, you know, but I remember when I used to have legal trouble and I was on some probation (laughs) and stuff. When I was living in the world and in sin, I would Every time I'd go in to take that urinalysis yeah. test, it'd be like rolling the dice. Have his, has, it, has it been long enough? Am I going to be okay? What it, how many days has it been, right? And I hated it. But once I really came into Christ and I was on the tail end of that, it was like, it's another opportunity to show that I'm I'm doing right. It's another opportunity to to prove myself, and and I was I was happy about those things. And so I feel like whatever you whatever sort of parameters you put in place for people, let trust build itself. But stick to the things that you that you say. Don't don't use. It's too important to um, say ah, I don't want to offend them or they seem a little different than they've been seeming. Have a conversation with them. I mean, the, it's always better to keep things out in the open. And and for me, what has been my my saving grace is, you know, a lot of people I notice who who come out of a, a past of addiction, they begin to sort of minimize their past the more credible and prestigious and respectable they get in life. And next thing you know, they hardly talk about it at all. Listen, I don't bring my testimony up to glorify the past, but I just want it to be out there. First of all, it gives God glory. Second of all, I'm not, I don't got nothing to hide behind, um, no pretending. And so it's just a known fact where I come from. It gives God glory and also helps keep me safe in life. I think, I think as a, if you were a person who had diabetes or something, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be ashamed of the fact that you had to take the little shot every day. You just do it, right? And I think uh, what the person who's truly freed from addiction is the person that has no problem with just living the truth out loud. That is awesome. Well, uh, as we're closing here, I just want to say we are so honored to have you at World Challenge uh, to be the the leader of the Pastors and Leaders Network, and I, I think it's you're you're a trophy. Uh, your life is a testimony, and it really speaks to what World Challenge is about. We believe in the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, and God can take the most broken, hurt, upside down lives. I mean, we're we're sitting here talking about taking drug tests, <laughs> and now look what God has done in your life. And so, if you're a pastor leader and you're watching today, I want to tell you, don't give up on anybody. When people walk through those doors, doesn't matter where they're at, God has the power to take them to great places. And so um, I wonder if you would just take a moment and maybe pray for some pastors and leaders, maybe people that are struggling uh, with addictions or have struggled, and maybe they have this feeling of, you know, how can I ever be a leader uh, given the state and life that I'm at? And I would also, if you would include in, in that prayer, pastors that really have a desire to reach broken people, uh, to, to just really help them to have the wherewithal to really walk through the steps to have a church or an organization that is ministering to the most broken. I will. Before I say that prayer, I'll just say one thing. As pastors, you know, even as a person with an addiction background like myself, we want God to grow our church, right? But typically, we want Him to bring in middle-class, well-adjusted tithers. Good tithing people, yeah. right? <laughs> like, you know, hey, just being honest, transparent. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. But the yeah. but the truth is, is you know most 
revival sort of oriented or big growths that we see in, in healthy growth we see in the church is when we're not only do we have like you prayed for in your church that group of people we need the leaders yeah. we need the the faithful people that have been walking in the truth for a long time but but the the point is is we we need those people that are desperate and hurting and here's the sad part that people don't want to deal with grace is messy Yep. It's hard. People are going to fail. People are going to let you down. But but the beautiful part is, is some aren't. Some are going to turn yep. around and, and God is going to use them greatly. Some of them are going to, uh, you know, be turn their whole life around, become fathers to their children, mothers to their children, productive members of society. But but we have to, in the very beginning, realize that if we're going to reach the least, the last, and the lost, it's going to be messy. It's, it's going to be messy. It's yeah. going to be messy. And, and, it, and it means that, yes, we have grace, and then we have discernment. But you can't have just grace without discernment, and you can't have the discernment and the accountability without the grace. It really takes both of those and and it is for everybody, but it's all, it's specifically for people that have been through lives of addiction. That's really what discipleship is. It's showing the grace. And yes, God has cleansed you, washed you, you're renewed in Christ, but now it's the wisdom to be able to walk them through so they can really flourish in the body. Right. Here's the last thing I'll say before I pray. Remember that grace and love in God is not ignoring sin. It's not ignoring the truth. It's not turning a blind eye to yep. reality. There is no such thing as you can't divorce love from truth because yep. it's the truth that sets us free. Praise God. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for uh, for this podcast and for the opportunity to uh, talk with Pastor John. Lord, I do pray for, first and foremost, for people that may, Lord, be coming into faith and they look at the, the shattered uh, sort of uh, condition of their life and they think, could God ever use me? Well, the answer is yes. Lord, I pray that that first and foremost, they wouldn't seek to be used greatly by, by God. They would they would seek to know God greatly, that they would that they would submit to discipleship, that become a functioning member of a local church, that they would let you rebuild their lives um, by your will and, and through your power, God. But Lord, I also pray that they would realize, God, that you use weak things, you use yes. broken things, and you do this so that you will be glorified. So any person that thinks that they've sinned too much or, or or made too many mistakes, I pray that they would realize that the blood of Christ is sufficient. Lord, I also pray for pastors, God, who, who do have, well, maybe ones who don't have a heart, God, that you would give them a heart for not just drug addicts, but for people who are outside, people who are far away, people who need the saving and healing and helping power of the gospel, or that you would, you would, you would turn their hearts that direction. For pastors who already do have that heart, I pray you would give them discernment and courage. And Lord, they would they would be willing to to do radical things, God, to to open their doors and not to compromise doctrine, not to compromise the sheep that they're they're governing, Lord, but to realize that all of us once were outside the faith, Lord, and to give them the courage to uh, to walk more towards being a light to the broken and and in doing what Jesus said, preaching a gospel to the poor and to those who are in bondage. And Lord, we thank you so much for for using our ministry in that way over the years. And I pray that many more ministries would be used in that way so that we can 
can see more and more people come to the saving faith that we all share together in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joshua West. And thank you for being with us today on Leader to Leader uh, with Pastor John Bailey. If you can subscribe or share, it would be a great help. I think that the, the conversation today would really be encouraging to some people. And uh, we will see you next week.